audio check. Hey guys, just wanted to quickly come on here and tell you about today's episode. It's actually really cool. Uh, it's with a pharmacist that working for the Georgia uh, Public Health Department. Uh, it's a pharmacist that's really her role is emergency preparedness. It's really cool and it's fitting. Today's actually uh, May 11th, I believe. Let me see, check my phone here real quick. Yep, it's May 11th, uh, Saturday. I might not post this until Sunday, but um, either way, it's fitting because for us, at least down here in Miami, it's hurricane seasons next month. So um, I thought this would be fitting. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I am excited to have on here with me a emergency preparedness pharmacist. So as always, I'm your host, Richard Waith, and I have on here with me Dr. Tracy Dabbs. Tracy, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for your time uh, to jump on here and, and talk a little bit about your role. Now, you're working for a, a state department of health, um, but before we kind of dive into your day-to-day and kind of like how this all happened, first by just start by giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I went to the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy. Um, I was at UGA for undergrad and for pharmacy school from 2003 until 2009. And I actually started working for a national retailer during this time. I was a technician for them. I stayed with them through pharmacy school. I stayed with them as a pharmacist. And I really enjoyed working with them and I enjoyed doing retail. And unfortunately, a couple of years ago, I was put in a store. I was actually placed in managing a store where corporate decided that the pharmacy was doing great, but we had low grocery sales. So because of that, they completely shut the store down and I had 90 days to find a new job. Oh my God. And yeah. Um, so I never expected that. And the problem was too, is I was still on payroll during the 90 day as well. So I was interviewing with other companies. One company wanted to hire me and they were like, well, you know, when can you start? And I'm like, well, I, I can't start right now because I'm yeah. still on payroll for this other company. And they're like, well, you know, why can't you just quit? And the company I was with that was letting me go had promised me a large severance. So, of course, I wasn't going to pass that up. So, um, long story short, um, I was unemployed for a little while. I got really antsy. Um, I had been working since I was 13, 14. So, that was the first time in my life I really didn't have a job. So I took the first thing that came to me and I started working for another farm, a pharmacy chain. Um, and this chain is mostly in Southeast Georgia. I'm still part-time with them actually, but I just was really frustrated when I went back into retail because I was like, you know, I had an opportunity to do something different. Like I, I could have just gone and done something else. Mm-hmm. So I hired a professional pharmacy coach And he started coaching me and gave me some ideas about where to go. And this job opening came up on, on Indeed, actually, it was for an emergency preparedness pharmacist for the Department of Public Health. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, I'll apply for it. I'll see what happens. And I, it it took a while 
jobs with the government usually take a little while in, in the hiring process just because it's the government. And um, yeah, I, I got the job and I've, I've been with them for almost a year now. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. So what sparked your interest, I guess, about that particular role? Yeah. So when I was in pharmacy school, back in 2008, I did an emergency preparedness rotation. It was, it was a five week rotation and I, I got to learn how to use like the ham radio and go out in the field and talk to people like all over the, across the country, which is, is kind of random. And I, I was talking to someone in Canada. I remember when I was out there doing it and I was sent over to FEMA's training facility in Anniston, Alabama and they actually have a center for domestic preparedness um, facility out there where they, they put you out there for three days and you, you, you're you trained on preparedness. Like I, I was in one of those like little Ebola suits running around and everything, but you're <laughs> awesome. actually, yeah, you're actually in rooms that hold, um, you know, these these bioweapons like and it's, it's really funny i remember they're like okay this room has vx in it and of course you're like in the suit mm-hmm. and you have the little litmus paper or whatever it's called and you run up to it and then you run away and they're like it's going to turn this color if it's vx and uh, i i it was a very fun and interesting rotation mm-hmm. it's just that you know for pharmacists jobs like that are rare uh, but I, I would have to say it was probably the rotation i enjoyed the most so when I saw this job opening, I was like, well, you know, it's been 10 years, but I, I have previous experience and I, I kind of understand it. It, it, it. it had changed over 10 years, of course, but I was like, you know what, I'll just try it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll interview, I'll, I'll see if they, if they want me and, and it, it's been working out so far. So, yeah. but yeah, I had, I had a slight background in, in, in the subject. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it kind of came back full circle. So, um, yeah, exactly. Which is cool, which is funny because I actually have a, a similar story in, in the sense of uh, the role I'm in now, you know, five years later after I graduated is um, something I did when I was just an intern that I had no idea what it would have actually turned into um, and also have a similar background where I practice out in the community and then kind of came back full circle. So really yeah. interesting. So what's your, what's the day to day like? Like you show up to work. Um, I'm assuming you drink coffee cause I, I can't imagine people <laughs> that don't. So, uh, you know, what's the, what's the day to day? Like you, you get there coffee. What's next? Well, it's, it's what I really enjoy about my job is I do something different every day. Uh, some, some days I'm in the office, um, in downtown Atlanta and then some days I'm not, I I'm just, I'm out, you know, in the state or, or traveling across the country, depending on what's going on. I, I actually pulled up my calendar for the past, like, you know, 90 days when, um, I, you know, when I was preparing for these questions, cause I was like, you know, what do I do on a day to day basis? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in February, I had the opportunity to take a toxicology class with the Georgia Poison Center, which I really enjoyed. Um, and in April, we had an emergency preparedness conference down in Savannah, Georgia. So I got to attend that for a week. Uh, I and earlier in April, I got to go to a preparedness summit in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I mean, it sounds exciting, but I do, I, I am in the office and I do have a desk that I sit down and, and, you know, process paperwork and, and things like that. Random question. Have you heard of a program that's called Kimpac? I personally have not. Okay. 
so this is this is this is all over all over the country. So I I probably need to give a little bit more background on this to explain why we have the program. Are you, are you familiar with the Strategic National Stockpile SNS? No, no, I have no idea what to do in an emergency. Like this is all <laughs> a selfish topic because I need to know like what's going to happen because hurricane season's in less than a month. So if you can please I go know. over all that, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we always have to prepare for that. We've had a hurricane and we had two last year, um, but we've had the past three years, we've had hurricane evacuations. It, it's just been crazy in the state of Georgia. So the strategic national stockpile, I, I have some brief notes, so I apologize if it sounds like it's reading. I just, I, there's a little details that I could not remember. Mm -hmm. So it was created back in 1999 and it's basically a cache of emergency medical countermeasures and it's for response to a public health emergency situation that affects, you know, the U S population. And it's, it's not just medications that's in the stockpile. It's, a uh, medical supplies, devices, and, and other supplies that like gloves that you would need to respond to a large scale, scale public health emergency. Do you, do you realize that there is not a supplier in the United States that makes vinyl gloves? They all come we from China. Them? Oh wow! Yeah. They all come from China and it takes about three weeks for them to come over on the boat. So you have to think about when you're in a situation like in 2009, 2010, where we had the H1N1 epidemic, mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, places were running out of, you know, of gloves. And so, I mean, a lot of people don't think about this, but you know, what if we're in a situation where we don't have gloves? So yeah, exactly. So this is why, yeah. So this is why we have, um, I'm going to say SNS right now for strategic national stockpile because it's easier. Also public health is very acronym heavy. So if I say something, I apologize. I'll try to define all the acronyms. So, yeah. so the, the type of situations where you would use the SNS would be for, you know, a natural disaster, like we were just talking about hurricane season coming up, or um, a disease outbreak, we were just talking about H1N1, or even a bioterrorism event. So in my state, we have 18 public health emergency preparedness districts. So we actually have 18 health districts, so they all have their emergency preparedness. And the program actually works to help create and exercise plans that would make sure that the populations in these health districts can get countermeasures within 48 hours of activation. And it's a whole entire process to actually get these assets. It, it has to be, uh, you know, approved by certain people, and then it has to go through the governor before it can even be released to the, to the state. And there's it's done through points of distribution, which we call pods. And you have ones that are open, which are basically going to be open to the public. And then you have closed pods that are, that would be for like, you know, um, medical personnel mm -hmm. that would actually go and get treated and, you know, get medication before they would actually go to the open pods to assist people. And the, the medicine in the stockpile is free. It, it's been paid for by, by tax dollars. And it's it's enough to protect people in several large cities at the same time. So so where is that the, inventory? Um, they're all over the country, and they are they are in secure locations. Okay. So they of course don't want to know 
they don't release where the location. Yeah, I mean, I don't want the address. I just want to make sure yeah. it's like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I you just want to make sure. One close to you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but yes, they are in in strategic locations, and the CDC helps us prepare with these locations to make sure that you know they can be transported and, and received in enough time. So they're not going to be randomly set off, or it doesn't make any sense. Okay. So that's pretty but, cool. It's good to know. Yeah, yeah, it is, and you could. And like I was saying, you can contact your local emergency preparedness office at public health. You can even talk to them about becoming a closed pod if you wanted to, if you have a pharmacy. Yeah. Uh, you know, setting up. Because, I mean, who who better to set up, you know, exercises where you're distributing medication than pharmacists, right? Yeah, exactly. But, I, um, I remember when sorry. you, when you uh, get your license or, or something, I think when you renew, actually, it asked, like, at least in Florida, it asked if you want to... Um, be, you know, called for an emergency or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys have that and it's very, it's we, the same thing. We, we do. I'm actually the administrator in the state of Georgia for the pharmacists. We call it GPAS, <laughs> the Georgia Pharmacist Alert System. Okay. And um, it's through, ours is through servegeorgia.gov, S-E-R-V as in Victor, G-A.gov. But yeah, so when I go out I and meet people, I try to recruit pharmacists and pharmacy technicians to sign up for this. And like you said, we uh, send out little messages and alerts and you can respond back via text message or email or call us or whatnot to and let us know. What would happen? So I think that's the bigger question is to like, okay, you, because when people see that, they have to on their own think about, well, what does that even mean? And like mm-hmm. on the spot, pretty much say yes or no. So yeah. what does that mean? Like when, if an emergency happens and I get a call, what's the next steps that happen? Do I report to one of those pods or like, how does that work? Yeah, exactly. So what's, and I can actually give you information on this too. We're actually going to have what we call a tabletop exercise where we sit down and we discuss plans. So we're having one for the state here next week um, where we talk about this situation and exercise things. And it helps us prepare for situations like this, because like in the rural reports of the states, a, a lot of them don't have access to pharmacies like we do in, in you know, like in, in Metro Atlanta. You know, mm-hmm. some some places only have a pharmacy that serves a very large community. So we actually practice those exercises and we try to figure out situations. How do we get people here to this location? How do we mobilize these people? So when hurricane, and I'll kind of give you a little background on what happened before. So when hurricane Florence happened this past year, we were in our emergency operations center, our EOC, in case we would have to assist North Carolina whether it would be, you know, nurses, environmental health personnel, what whatever they would need. So we were working with the nurses to send a strike team there to North Carolina. So while the hurricane was, you know, out and while it was coming in, we were coordinating with the state to have a vehicle to transport us to North Carolina, talking to North Carolina, what route can we take? You know, because some of the roads were closed. Where do we go? And one of the nurses actually approached me and she was like, hey, do you want to go? I was like, what? (laughs) She's like, like, well, you know, in the shelters and this is a big deal. And this is why I think pharmacists are important. She's like in the shelter, you know, we have people that come with like bottles of medication and sometimes they just have pills in a bag. And like we, we can't identify, you know, we have to identify them. We have to make a list of meds they're taking. If they don't have their medicines, we have to help them get it. If we have a pharmacist there, 
it helps us out a lot. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, okay. So I, we didn't, we ended up not being deployed. Um, the request was taken out and they had enough personnel through a red cross assistance and whatnot, where we didn't have to deploy our Georgia team. But yeah, that's, that's what happens in those situations. We work a lot with our medical reserve group to help transport people to locations to where they need to go. And whether it be through assistance with Red Cross or just with the state. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That is intense. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always did it just because, you know, why I feel like I should be there if there's a, an emergency, like obviously I'd like to help, but yeah. Um, so cool. So well, ph- well, well, pharmacists have such a great role with, with, you know, going to an emergency as well, because not only can we just do medications, a lot of us can immunize you know, so if you have a situation, we um, a few years ago, when they had a hurricane, they had to evacuate. The a big plan with evacuation in the state is through Savannah, as people come up to Macon, Georgia. It's right, you know, below Atlanta. It's off the coast. They had a situation where someone had flu in the Red Cross shelter. So in that situation, they have to prophylactically give everybody Tamiflu. This was during Hurricane Irma. That Tamiflu was on back order. It, it, you know how this happens. Like every year, like we have so much Tamiflu, and then like then we don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> like it happened. It happened last year too. So they were trying to find Tamiflu at this shelter to give these like 120 odd. I believe it was around 120 people. I I wasn't employed at this time, so I I know it was at least 100 people. And they, what ended up happening is they were trying to get it through the SNS program, but, you know, they have to get their approval through the governor and, and all of this. So they ended up finding it in Tennessee and shipping it to us from Tennessee. It went through couriers like uh, patrol. And we actually had a, a Black Hawk helicopter go and an employee from the state go get this Tamiflu at the Georgia Tennessee line, and then it the Blackhawk flew to the Red Cross. That's so wild. I 100% want to work somewhere where I can just be like, guys, deploy the Blackhawk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was on a Blackhawk. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do today? Yeah. Oh, I just went to Tennessee on a Blackhawk. That's know? pretty cool. But um, yeah, so I mean, that's that's interesting situations like that too. But you know, we we have situations where we would have to you know immunize people. You know, people are going to need the flu shot. You know, in that yeah. shelter. So, you know, pharmacists are great for a role like that. So I, I feel like in a role like yours, you know, it, it's not one that you just show up and do your day to day and go home. It, I feel like in a role like yours, you have bigger goals for what you either want that position to be or the impact that you want it to have uh, on, you know, in healthcare. What mm-hmm. is that for you? What does that look like in that role? Um, I'm currently, uh, I've only been in my role for about a year, so I am pretty new, but I am, I am trying to set up with one of the, and I'm filling out the paperwork again. It takes a while with the government. I would like to be a preceptor for this pharmacy school because I would like to take students. And number one, it's, it's different. You know, you're not, not just counting pills every day. And I would like, you know, pharmacies, you know, students slash pharmacists to just know more about emergency preparedness and the role they can play in it. I feel like it, with the way the market is as well, I don't think pharmacists can think about actually you know, filling a role that's not the traditional pharmacist. And I think this is a great way to, 
to actually get into a field where you can use your pharmacy skills, but you may not be in a situation where you're counting pills every day, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I would, we do not have a pharmacist in every one of our health districts. It's just simply a funding issue. I don't know how we would get there, but I would love eventually for there to be a pharmacist at every health district because I feel like the need is there. You know, there's a nurse, there's a medical director over the health department. I don't know how we're going to get there, but that I've been talking to another pharmacist about that and she, and she agrees as well, simply because I feel like it's, it's an, it's a need. Yeah. And And the only way to do, to get like funding for something like that is to like, is to basically ask for it. There's nothing that you can do yeah. to say, all right, well, if we do the X, Y, Z, we're going to save the state X amount of dollars. Is that not an approach that you can take? Um, and that is what this other pharmacist is currently working on. She works at a health department up in the northern part of the state of Georgia. Her role is very interesting. So she's half emergency preparedness. So half of her pay comes out of our, our department, emergency preparedness. And then half of it comes out of the health district she's in. So she distributes medications in her health district for it's it's we have Ryan White, which is the HIV population, TB, and they're actually having some issues right now with TB in that area, and um, STD. So she works on those type of medications, and then too, you know, if if there's a child that needs to be given rifampin, you know, she has to, she'll compound it because you know their nurses can't do compounding, mm-hmm. and it saves the health district money by having her do it versus sending it to a compounding pharmacy and paying for that. So she has looked at how much money she has had through reimbursement. And I'm trying to learn a little bit more about 340B. I I know I need to do some more training on it, but through reimbursement through that program, she has, she has saved that district so much money. And not only that, she's been able to put more money back into the program, especially for the Ryan White program. She was talking about how she was able to, you know, some, some people needed glasses and she was able to use funding out of that. So she can, she can show how much money she is saving that district. And that's what she has shown other health districts as well. I think it's just, you know, everywhere's tight and you know you have some people that are wearing multiple hats and doing multiple roles yeah especially in the state they'll eliminate a position because someone's retired or it's no longer needed and then someone else has to fill that role so yes i i agree with you it is we're gonna have to work on showing how pharmacists can you know save money in the health district and work in the health district it's it'll take some time but hopefully we can get there yeah so what is the most, like, the one thing that you're like, this is what I love the most about this job or this role? Like, what, what is that? What would that be? What I love the most is I was starting to feel like a robot in the retail setting. I, I didn't really feel like I was learning much. I mean, I would, I, you know, I would see a drug or something that would come up and be like, oh, what is this? Like this new drug name? I don't know. And so I would research it mm-hmm. and be like, oh, okay, this is this, blah, 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 blah. But I wasn't using that creative part of my brain. So I think that's where I felt like, you know, I was just kind of, my brain was turning into mush almost. So what I like about this job is it allows me to use my brain and be creative. And sometimes I have to think about and solve situations that, you know, I didn't necessarily think I would have to do. And I, I really, it's kind of weird, but I really enjoy problem solving and I get to problem solve on a daily basis in this position. 
Yeah. So I, I would say that's the the part I love most about it is the creativity and the problem solving. Yeah, it's hard in uh, when you're in community pharmacy because I mean, essentially, the a lot of the tasks that the most of us do will eventually be automated. Um, of course, it's, it's the I feel like it's the stores. The more fulfilling stores are the ones where you have you're able to build relationships with the people and take care of them because I feel like that's a really good offset too. Because I I had the same problem in terms of. Um, in terms of kind of not being, I guess, like my mind just not feeling like I'm able to grow and do other things. But yeah. it, was, it was really offset by the, I mean, the reason why I think I did it for so long is because it was offset by the relationships and the way I was able to take care of people there, which for me, that was great. But um, yeah, so that's, it's, it's interesting that you, that you mentioned that. But now being that um, that's kind of like what you love the most about it, what's probably like the hardest, the hardest part of your role? The hardest part, um, <laughs> going from working with pharmacists to working with people who aren't pharmacists oh. <laughs> and emergency preparedness is a different language. And it was so funny. The pharmacist I was just mentioning in the health district that's, you know, taking care of her, her population and saving that health district so much money. I'm, I formally met her three months after I started and she was just talking and talking and I was just like, oh my gosh, it is so nice to meet you. And she's real Southern. She's like, yeah, honey, it's like, you know, being in another country and you don't know the language and then you run into someone that speaks your language. (laughs) And that's exactly what it is. So I basically had to learn to speak another language and just simply things that I just didn't know because of how I problem solve. Like I, I asked a pharmacist a question at one of the hospitals And then apparently someone like emailed someone in my department and then they came by my desk and they were like, Hey, you know, in the future, you know, make sure you, you send it to this person. And I was like, well, okay. I didn't know. (laughs) Like, like I'm a pharmacist. If I have a question, I'm going to ask a pharmacist, but apparently there's other outs you need to take. Yeah. Um, So just learning how to communicate within the, the structure that is set up within emergency preparedness districts and, like I said, and just communicating, communicating daily with people who aren't pharmacists. Yeah. That's interesting that, that you bring that up actually, because even in, you mentioned that it's, you know, your specific uh, role in districts where it's difficult. I feel like anywhere beyond like where you start going into communications with large organizations and when you're like actually having to communicate with different departments, following that chain of command is so hard. I, I actually have that issue now too. It's like, who do I need to talk to to get this done? Like exactly. You know, like I, I had that problem last week. I emailed a lady and I was like, um, do I need to email you? Um, do, do I need to email somebody? Yeah. Like what, what do we need to do? Yeah. It's so it's, it's not clear. Like you, you would think things like that would be much more clear, but it's, it's actually very no, difficult. And especially when not. you're, when you have like, and there's times that the, the, departments have so many titles that all sound the same and you're just like mm-hmm. which one of you guys do I call like <laughs> it sounds like you all do the same thing but anyway yeah yeah and especially when it's very acronym heavy mm-hmm. um and I've, I've noticed like where I, when I go somewhere and someone says an acronym and I don't know what it is before when I started I just wouldn't say anything now I just don't care I'm like um what is that <laughs> and they're like oh sorry and then they like say what the acronym is but I remember when I started, I was like, oh, gosh, I don't I don't want them to know, let them know. I don't know what this acronym is. I'll just write it down and look it up later. But now I just I don't care. I'm like, I'm, I need to learn it. And if I don't know it, it's OK for me to say, hey, you know, uh, what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> so and to them, first- 
to yeah. them, like they know, they know like where, who needs to do what and what all these things mean. But then it's like having the expectation of the other outside people knowing that it gets, it gets difficult. So, yeah. I, when I first started, I had to go to a exercise and they're like, yeah, we're all going to meet down a gypstick. And I'm like, okay. I remember like going to somebody and whispering, what's a gypstick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the Georgia public training center down here in Georgia. Um, but I was like, what is a gypstick? <laughs> it sounds like a, a interesting candy. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So I know you had mentioned that earlier in the episode that you are still doing part time at a community pharmacy. Um, one of the things I, I want to ask about is, you know, because uh, a lot of times when you go into some of these different roles, you're kind of completely gone from patient care. So it sounds like you still get maybe like a touch of it. But mm-hmm. how how has it been like, even if the thought had to be, you know, I had to no longer be kind of with direct patient care. Like, tell me about how you felt about that whole thing. Well, I I didn't want to forget how to fill prescriptions. And especially if I'm actually doing exercises where I'm in situations where we're dispensing or exercising, dispensing medication to the population, I feel like being in a pharmacy is the best way to, you know, understand the process and the role of that. But I, I actually enjoy patient interaction. I enjoy talking to people. And what I really like about it now is because it's not my primary role. I can go into the pharmacy and just be like, you know what? especially now since I'm, I'm floating. So I have no idea where I could go and I cover a large area as well. So I, you know, I think the preparedness part of me, this is why I do my role as well. I always like call the day before and I'm like, Hey, you know, how did the day go? You know, what do you let me, you know, what do I need to know for tomorrow? And then I just go in there and I'm like, you know what? Don't know what today is going to bring. But, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm going to work my job and I'm going to go home and I'm going to take care of patients and I'm going to come into the situation and I'm going to be the best pharmacist that I can be today. And it's the patients see it too as well. I was at one store and some lady was like, you're so pleasant. And I was thinking in my head, yeah, I don't do this every day. (laughs) (laughs) But when you're, when you, even if it's just a bad day, I, I just take it differently now because you know, it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. I, you know, I might have to stay later and I may have to like call the next day and follow up, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. So, but I, I enjoy that patient interaction and I hope I can still stay part-time too. It really helps me with my, with my role as well with emergency preparedness, because I was still working last year when, when Tamiflu went on back order you know, and um, some of the health departments were having issues with Tamiflu. And also, the you have to think about it, you know, with the whole, like, Losartan and Valsartan recalls, some of the health departments you know, were struggling with that as well. So I can see what's happening in the retail setting, and it helps me understand what's happening in, in the health departments as well. Because I wouldn't know, you know, I'm not in a health department filling prescriptions. But yeah. because I'm in the pharmacy and I see it, I know it, you know, and I can reach out and see if anybody needs help in, in regards to that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. For the record, yeah. I've always been told that I was pleasant to work with, even <laughs> though I was doing community pharmacy every day. So it's still a possibility. It still could happen. Yeah. Um. So just plug, plug that in there. Anyway, what... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody yeah. is unpleasant. <laughs> what is... Let's say that... Or, so I live in Miami and, you know, there's a ton of... There's obviously there's emergencies everywhere. But in terms of being prepared, what... And I know that uh, most corporations have plans and they send all these emails and, mm-hmm. you know, especially if there's a hurricane coming out, uh, pharmacies get bombarded with information from corporate because that's just what they have to do, obviously. But mm-hmm. what what do you recommend is like the key things that 
pharmacists need to do to prepare for like emergencies or bad storms or hurricanes and things like that? I can talk about what I have seen in in Georgia, how I've learned to prepare, and I, I think it can translate to all parts, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't in the Atlanta area during Snowmageddon, but I've had some, st- are you familiar with Snowmageddon that I, happened I here? I heard about it, yeah. Yeah, how um, the it, it was awful, how it, the schools shut down way too early and the interstates were just slammed and no one could get home. I think it took some people like 11 or 13 hours to make it home. Um, children were at schools, parents couldn't reach them. So, I mean, this is something we, I mean, in Georgia, we're not used to snow. So we had pharmacists that spent the night at their stores, you know, and and they didn't even think about things like that. So just knowing if there is an emergency situation, putting essentials in your trunk, you know, when I, I have sleeping, something I can sleep with. I have a blanket in the back right now. I have bottles of water in my trunk, um, a few snacks, things like that. Hmm. You know, if you're in something like a a large national retailer, you don't have to worry about situations like that because, you know, some people can go to the camping section and there's some pillows and, and you're fine. But, you know, if you're working for something that's just a pharmacy, you may not have access to things like, you know, like food. Target, you won't have Target yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, you may you may just have like pork rinds and soda, you know, and like and gum. So, just preparing for situations like that, knowing if you you know with a generator. I I worked this past January, and I was the only store, probably in a four mile radius that had power, and I had to call my district manager and was like, how much, how much, you know, how long is this generator going to run for? Because I. I had no idea. And he was like, I think they're 48 hours. Think you thought it was 48 hours. So, you know, I had to make a plan, you know, what's going to happen when the power goes out, you know, like I had to transfer like all, all these vaccines to another pharmacy. So, you know, making, knowing, you know, who your partners are in the area, knowing if they have enough space in a fridge, you know, they're going to have to make space for that. Mm -hmm. I I had to talk to someone in California where they had a situation where, it, this wasn't a pharmacist, it was emergency preparedness employee, but she talked to someone and I, I knew it was a national retailer, but they pulled out their expensive liquor out of the refrigerator and put, you know, flu shots in there for them because they, they, yeah. And Parties. then they put, and they, they don't want to put their, you know, high, their high retail liquor out on the floor because they're worried about, you know, theft issues, but they, they made space for her. So having, I would say having relationships is very key and having good relationships is very key because you, you're going to need people and you're going to need people that you can trust and you, and you're going to need people that are going to be there for you. And and you need to be there for those people as well. So if those people need you, you know, if, you know, you may have to stay over, you know, and make space in a refrigerator for inventory, you, you may have to go help someone out at a store, you know? So I would just say having essentials, you can go on to a a lot of the emergency preparedness departments with the health districts have a list of supplies that they recommend, but just having those simple things on you and just being aware of what's happening with your weather. You know, like when I, when the generator went out at my store, I've, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't realize the snow was that bad. Um, We got eight inches that night. 
I had no <laughs> idea it was coming. No idea it was coming. My, my fiance <laughs> called me. This is hilarious. And so my fiance called me. He's like, when's the store closing? And I was like, babe, I don't think the store's closing. He's like, uh-uh, when's the store closing? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I haven't been outside all day. He's like, okay, I'm, this is like seven o'clock when he called me. He's like, okay, I'm on the way. I was like, what? He's like, no, I'll, I'll explain to you when I get there. So when he got there, it was like eight o'clock. And I was like, why did it take you an hour to get here? And he just looked at me. <laughs> oh so th- then they shut down the store and then I walked outside. I couldn't even see my car. And my car was the only car like in, in the parking lot because wow. everybody basically had left and it was just covered in snow. And he, he thankfully had a uh, Jeep that he, and he drove to get me in. And we were just driving back and there were just trees down in the road. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you for coming and getting me. He's like, I know, right? That's wild. (laughs) And then, you know, of course, I have to be at that store the next day to open it. There was no way I could have gotten there without him. You know, I didn't. So have a Jeep. A, yeah, have, have a Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> or have a, a friend that Definitely. has a Jeep. <laughs> or a friend. Friends are great. That's if fine. you can't have a Jeep, have a friend that has a Jeep. Something, you know, with all-wheel drive. Something that's going to get you there. Because you're going to be in a situation where, you know, you're going to have to be at the store. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but it, it, with the hurricanes and situation that you're talking to in Miami, I would encourage those people to get involved with their local health departments. A lot of these emergency preparedness groups have plans in place. And that's another way for pharmacists to get involved as well. They can give you alerts that, hey, you know, we're we're getting news of this hurricane coming in. And then people in pharmacies can actually prepare for that. You know, you usually they'll plan 72 hours ahead of time, even more than that. You can call in technicians. You can actually start calling patients. You know, do we need to fill these medications for you? That way, you know, when the day of happens and they're evacuating and they're trying to go up the interstate to come to Georgia, you know, your pharmacy isn't, it's, it's going to be slammed. But if if you can try to prepare for that situation, it's going to help you out in the long run. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing mm-hmm. I wanted to mention is um, just a quick story. I don't know if I've told this before, but I'm going to say it anyway, just in case. Um, Because you had mentioned, you know, the refrigerator issues and having to move or transfer things. I once came back to the next day to my pharmacy. I worked, I forgot the day. I was working on Monday. I had to come back to Tuesday. I came back to Tuesday, huge puddle of water in my pharmacy. All the, everyone had power. The power was fine, but the Uh plug in the, in the, that the refrigerator was plugged into something happened. Like, I don't know what got tripped up, but the whole refrigerator was like, was not, that whole outlet was not working. (sighs) And what so, an awful thing to walk into first yeah, thing in the morning. Of course, it's the worst. Like, obviously, you know, it's one of those things where you always think you're going to walk in. It's just going to be like a normal day and boom, like no refrigerator. <laughs> you just but, start cursing. Yeah, <laughs> I was like so mad. Um, I was like, Fuck. I was like, oh, my God, it sucks. Um, but I had to bleep that out. <laughs> but uh, uh, so what, what I had to do was obviously they fixed it, which was an easy fix. But just so everyone knows, just because you don't have power for a certain amount of time doesn't mean that you've completely lost your product. Sometimes mm-hmm. it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And I wanted mm-hmm. to let everyone know what I did was, so, you know, if this happens to someone, instead of having to, you know, um, discard all that inventory and mark it as a loss, you can actually call, sometimes it's listed on the package insert, or you can actually call the manufacturer and you ask sure them can. Um, for sure can. that. I think it's like an expedition time or something. Like that. I don't remember the exact term, but you basically mm-hmm. can, or excursion, that's the name of it. Excursion, yeah, yeah it's you, a time excursion. Yeah, you ask for, like, what's the excursion time on this? They basically tell you, like, 
the amount of time that your product can go at room temperature um, or in a specific extreme of a temperature for how long and then it'll let you know if it's still good and how many times it can do that because sometimes it can yep. only happen once and then you'd have to actually get rid of the medication but that's just a, a heads up be- from a personal story that happened yeah and, and it's good for a lot of people to know that because you know, you know some people are going to have a situation where they just think it's a loss and and it's not and like you said, some drugs are, are, are no bueno. <laughs> like they don't really yeah. have a great, great uh, temperature excursion, but some do. And, you know, and you have to think about this too, not only the stuff you haven't dispensed, but the stuff that's in the other refrigerator that you haven't dispensed to patients yet. You know, uh, you know, walking into a situation where you don't have power, you know, in a pharmacy, that refrigerator, you cannot dispense those medications until you figure out how long it has been in a temperature excursion, unless you yeah. want to call people <laughs> and, yeah. let, and let them know that their insulin, you know, was at room temperature for 12 hours. So it's it's just good in knowing that, you know, because yeah. a lot of people don't think about things like that. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, all right, let's let's uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, I got two okay. more questions for you. Uh, the first sure. one is what ex- what most excites you about the future of pharmacy? What most excites me about the future of pharmacy? Could be specific to your like role. Could be tech technology. Could be patient care practice. Anything. Hmm. I like the technology aspect of it. What it's scary, but what excites me is that pharmacists are going to have to. We're doing this now, but they're going to have to start. I guess thinking outside of the the pharmacy box, <laughs> yeah. um, where we're not going to be behind a counter all the time, just counting medications, and we're going to have to be out doing other roles, and it's going to be a struggle for some pharmacists, especially those that are introverted. But it's that kind of excites me because I see that there's opportunities outside of pharmacy that are going to be available to pharmacists. So that's where I'm optimistic, and. I'm excited because I'm hoping that more pharmacists can get involved with their local health departments and start helping out in roles that people didn't think pharmacists are like, oh, I didn't think of a pharmacist doing this type of role, especially with the whole opioid crisis, um, issues that states are experiencing right now with hepatitis A, increases in hepatitis A, and just emergency preparedness itself. Um, there, um, Dr. Um, it's, um, Dr. Peterson, I believe. Yeah. Dr. Peterson, he is a pharmacist and he is, he is the director of the emergency preparedness program for public health in the state of Tennessee. You know, that's a pharmacist running that program. That's crazy. Yeah. He's done any, you know, they've experienced this whole hepatitis A outbreak. Yeah. So having a pharmacist in that role has been phenomenal for that state. And I, I, I truly feel that emergency preparedness can benefit from pharmacists being involved. And I am, I am excited about that. I'm excited about the technology aspect of it as well. I am, I'm not a very tech savvy person. I was listening to your podcast the other day where you talked about how you tried to learn code for six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, at least he tried. Cause I'd be like, ah, uh-uh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's funny. So um, I, I, that part of, of my job role does excite me. Nice, nice. All right, bonus question. If you had to take one person out to dinner that is alive and they have to be famous or at least have a Wikipedia page, you get to take them off for dinner for one night, who would that person be? And they can't be fictional, right? They nope, gotta be it has a real to be person. an actual person. You got to tell me, it ha- they, have to have a, they should have a Wikipedia page. If not, I'm going to like 
come back and like redo this whole thing and ask you again. And then (laughs) if I don't find a Wikipedia page or, or they have to, like everyone has to know that they're famous and why. I'm just going to repeat it back to you really quick to make sure that I heard you. So who would I go out to dinner with one person who's famous, who's real and has a Wikipedia page? Yes. Oh gosh, that's a good one. I have so many fictional people I go out to dinner with. <laughs> well, then maybe you're going to have to tell us two because now, now I just need to know who that fictional person is going to be. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, I so start with the fictional out, one. I, w- I would love to go out to dinner with Jon Snow. I mean, there is so <laughs> yeah. much I want to ask him. Jeez. Like, since day one, I've been rooting for him. Yeah. You know? Like, did you realize your life would get here? You know? <laughs> That's funny. Like, he's just kind of been stumbling along and then all this stuff happened. But, yeah, I was like... I've been rooting, especially when he died. I was like, this is not the end for Jon Snow. Yeah. I was so happy. Uh, <laughs> well, spoiler alert. I'll have to like make sure people know that not to watch it or something. Or maybe everyone knows now. I don't know how that works. And that, I, I kind of roughly described it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> maybe he died. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. Okay. We don't, we don't know. know. Okay. It's a huge question mark yeah. with Jon Snow, but he, <laughs> he is a character that such, such a resilient character you know and i feel like a lot of people need a resilience in their life i you know who i would probably like to go out to dinner with and i have always admired oprah winfrey i mean she came from nothing and is now a billionaire Mm -hmm. and all the struggles that she had to face in her career um I, I, I mean, I, I already know she likes to talk and, you know, the public has access to information, but I would just like to have a personal conversation with her about everything that she's accomplished in life. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, with me being a woman and her being a successful woman. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, hopefully one day we'll be, uh, this podcast will be big enough. I'll be like, hey, by the way, Oprah, if, you, if you're ever interested. <laughs> I'd be so nervous. I would just be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I ask Oprah? What do I ask Oprah? I'd probably start talking to her. I'd be like, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. (laughs) Do you know Jon Snow? That's funny. Um, Cool. Well, uh, thank you so much again for for being out here. If anyone wants to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, You can find me on LinkedIn, and it's uh, Tracy, T R A C Y, and last name's Dabs, D A like a dab you know yeah uh, d-a-b-b-s and yes you can find me on linkedin and feel free to message me i'd be happy to you know if anybody wants to ask me a question i'd be happy to try and answer it for them i may not be able to answer it but i'll do the best i can awesome well tracy thank you so much for being on here really appreciate your insights oh no thank you i appreciate it Hope you enjoyed you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, I sure did. And um, as you know, if you're listening here, I'm assuming you're subscribed. If you haven't, please make sure to go subscribe on iTunes. Uh, that way, you can get the notifications every time a new episode comes out. Um, also, leave us a rating if you think it's a one or two stars. That's cool. Uh, leave that rating. Let me know why. Uh, but if you think it's a three, four, or five, please go and leave that rating as well. It'd really be helpful. And Obviously, follow us on all your social media platforms. Pick your favorite, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the case may be. Pick your favorite. Go follow us. Tag your friends. uh, Share the memes. uh, Share the news that's on there. And as always, really appreciate you tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Pharmacy.